Hey, welcome to Ed Stetzer Live. This and every Saturday we have great conversations that deal with the moment, the mission, the message, and more. I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm the dean of the Talbot School of Theology here in Los Angeles County. And uh, just relatively new here, those of you who follow the show know that I've been like kind of crazy all over the world for the last uh, year. But uh, now settled, moved, and excited about getting started about a month or so in, a little more than that, to my service here at the Talbot School of Theology and Biola University. Hey, let me mention one of my friends here in Southern California is, uh, of course, Brian Broderson. He's the pastor of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. And Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa is uh, owner of K-Wave. And we get lots of calls and lots of listeners on K-Wave, so represent 107.9. Uh, in addition, we have, you know, we have over 250 outlets that were heard on across the country from coast to coast, all over the place. You can listen in Miami, you can listen in Boston, you can listen in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. Um, but K-Wave has some exciting news, and there are people right now who are turning in Saturday morning expecting to hear maybe Disney radio. I know that sounds a little strange. Let me explain why. So uh, K-Wave just acquired uh, 1110 AM, and now there are people all over uh, Southern California and all the way up from Ventura down past San Diego who are listening on uh, what was before Disney Radio, now acquired by K-Wave. And so we welcome you to the, uh, the, the K-Wave family, but also to a partner here with Moody Radio. So Moody Radio Partners and Affiliates air Ed Stetzer Live. And so thanks for new listeners on K-Wave 110 AM. We rejoice with the K-Wave family as well. So we, of course, we have guests. I don't actually think we've ever done a show without a guest. We had a show once where the guest didn't show up till super late. So maybe that counts as that. But we always have guests because I think, you know, interviews are great and we can have conversation. We learn from those conversations as well. And so our guest today is a, a new colleague, new friend from the Talbot School of Theology. His name is Dr. Kyle Strobel. He's a professor at the Talbot School of Theology at Bible University, author of Form for the Glory of God, and co-author of The Way of the Dragon and The Way of the Lamb, which is probably where I first interacted with some of his writing. That's a few years back. And When Prayer Becomes Real, the new, the new book we're talking about, How Honesty with God Transform Your Soul, with his colleague, John Coe, and we're, and also, who's also from Talbot School of Theology. And so Kyle's well-known regular conference speaker, preacher, and leader in the area of spiritual formation. One of the things we really have a big emphasis on at Talbot is spiritual formation uh, as well. So we're super glad to have him here on the program. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Hey, Ed, good to be here. Good, good, good to have you. So let's jump into some conversation about the book as well. Let me just remind our callers that we're going to give away some copies of the book as well. And I always want to have to remind people we're going to give away copies of the book. That doesn't mean like you call up and say, am I caller number seven? Um, it's, it's basically for insightful callers with beautiful <laughs> questions or whatever it may be and uh, or comments as well. So that's where we, we do like to give away a few copies of the book. And we have uh, several copies to do today. I'll just let you know that number as well. It's 877-548-3675. Okay. So Kyle, you wrote this book with John who wasn't able to be with us today because of a family situation. We're praying for him and his, with his uh, health situation with his family. Um, so tell us a little bit in, in the book, you talk about things that we need to unlearn about prayer, which I got to tell you, I really relate to uh, just early on and, and still, still maybe even unlearning. What do you mean by that? And what kind of things are we needing to unlearn? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny when prayer, prayer is one of those places, one of those kind of activities of the Christian life where we actually just kind of end up picking up all sorts of assumptions. And so I, I find a lot of people who judge their prayer life negatively and I mean, one of the most obvious, I think, is, you know, and I see this, my students, I see this, uh, people at my church all the time, they go to pray, they realize either because they just woke up 
that they weren't so much praying, but sleeping, or they realize, wow, I've sat here for the last 10 minutes and my mind has wandered to everything other than God. And then right there, the question becomes, well, what, what has gone on? And then what do they do? And oftentimes what people do is they feel guilty. They feel bad. I failed. They tell God, God, you know, I'm going to, and I'm not quite sure what this means. I'm going to do better. <laughs> I don't, I don't know exactly what that, what it looks like to do better about that. If you're going to kind of grit your teeth and, you know, clench your fists and pray, but then they try harder to be better. And what we want to suggest is that actually that, that, that prayer isn't that kind of thing. Like people are confusing prayer for a performance rather than allowing God to kind of open up the truth, right? So if your mind wanders in prayer, the solution is not to figure out how to stop it. The solution is to figure out, well, what are the real treasures of my heart that God is unveiling to me? And how can I actually take those treasures and lay them at the foot of the cross and draw near to my Lord? Yeah, and it's it's interesting, you know, when we talk about when prayer becoming real, a lot of prayer can be uh, performative. It can be, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, I, I say I want to say wrote, but I don't think actually uh, wrote or praying things over and over again is necessarily uh, getting into the rote category. Um, want to be careful how we def- describe that, but can sometimes just be going through the motions is maybe a better way to put it. And um, and I guess for you know, there's different kinds of people who are wired different ways as, as well. I, I remember when I was in the, uh, my candidate, whatever you call it, when they, you, when the faculty there at Talbot asked me questions and I think it was John asked me a question about an article that I wrote, uh, that, you know, Donna tends to be just more of a contemplative person and, you know, and, you know, we, the joke that I think uh, Mindy Caliguer or maybe our mutual friend talks about, uh, you know, she's, she, Donna's more of a candle lighter. I'm more of a jet fuel drinker. And yet we're all called to, to be people of prayer. So for people like me, maybe they sometimes read or engage people who are, you know, deeply contemplative individuals and they think, I can't pray like that. Well, I think your book sort of gives them, gives them a path to, and again, the books when, where prayer becomes real, gives them a path to have that, a kind of prayer life that actually honors the Lord and transforms them. So talk to us a little bit about how you learned and, and maybe even what your rhythms are when it comes to prayer. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm similar to you, Ed. I mean, and John and I, part of why we wanted to write this book is we realized, you know, we're not by nature the kind of go-to-prayer guys. Right. Um, I was, I, I was thinking are, that, but I didn't want to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, we're not, you know, we're primarily studiers. Um, we're, we are people who want to just pour over scripture. And, you know, the, the, the thing in our lives that we both found really troubling is that when we got involved in ministry and the more we grew in knowledge of the Bible and theology, the less we prayed. Hmm. And we, we were both very troubled by that and we weren't sure why. And, and later on, we kind of realized that what had happened was that we, we kind of gravitated towards certain things. And, and one of the images we like to use is a mirror. Like if you're in a funny house, you know, one of those things at carnivals, you gravitate towards the mirror that makes you a little taller, a little thinner, a little, <laughs> not the one that makes you shorter, kind of wider and, you know, kind of funny looking, you know, with all the different shapes on it. And and I think in the Christian life, we're presented with all sorts of mirrors. You know, James talks about the, the scripture being a kind of mirror. Well, John and I, because we were learners and studiers, we, we loved and we gravitated towards knowledge and, and growing in knowledge, which of course is good. 
But when we went to pray, the Lord was revealing our hearts to us. And it just felt like a bad mirror. It, it, it didn't feel like the kind of the kind of thing we looked in and thought, oh, wow, we're doing well. In fact, it felt like, whoa, this is a mess. This is confusing. Why? Why, when I draw near to God, does my mind wander everywhere? And I, I, it was actually John who I wrote the book with, who um, is, is our colleague now at Talbot, who um, leads our Institute for Spiritual Formation and is kind of my mentor. And I remember John once told me um, something that to this day I could, t- I could show you where I was when he told it to me. You know, he said, Kyle, prayer is not a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. Hmm. And, and that reality began to shift for me what I was doing when I was praying, that I was going to prayer and I was trying to be good at it. I was trying to show God that I had my life put together. I was looking for something that I could look at and say, look, look how well I'm doing. And I got that with the Bible. It's like, look how much I'm learning and reading and this is good. But prayer, it just felt differently. And, and John really helped me see that you know, prayer is actually a place where we draw near to our Lord in the truth. And most of us are tempted not to do that. We're, as I would put it, we're tempted to send our avatar, our Christian avatar to pray. Um, kind of mm-hmm. like Israel who wanted to send Moses up the scary mountain. <laughs> you know, you'd be with that God of fire up there. We're tempted to kind of not draw near to God, but to show up in prayer and present to God the most cleaned up versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's, one, that's not who we are. And two, it's not who God can can transform because that isn't true of ourselves. Like we actually need to show up in, in truth. And so that that was one of the most kind of life-changing realities that that I came to, that actually what God wants from me is to begin showing me the truth of my life so I can actually offer my life in full to him. And so, you know, some of the some of the ways we've done that. So we lay out in the book. We actually every chapter ends with a kind of practice. So you, we really wanted this book to shape prayer practically for folks. And so, um, some of them are the things that have been most meaningful for us. And one of the things that I do that I've loved is that at the end of every day, usually right after I put my kids to bed, I'll spend about a half an hour just considering what the day was. You know, what what happened today? What was what were my emotions telling me about my life? You know, if someone cut me off in the freeway and I started screaming, Lord, okay, why <laughs> Why is that in me, Lord? Why is there this anger kind of in my soul? Or if I had a really kind of meaningful moment with a student, Lord, well, what was going on there? And, and then how can I pray for this student? How can I be with them? And so part of what we want this book to be for folks is a way to allow their lives and the truth of their lives to actually begin to shape their prayer. So good. So important. And I've got so many questions and I think other people probably do as well. And one, one reason is, is because we're trying to figure out a best path for us to be people of prayer. We think that value, that value is important to us. Again, our number is 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. Join our conversation with Kyle Strobel. We'll talk about his co-authored book, Where Prayer Becomes Real by Kyle Strobel and John Coe. Stick with us. We're going to hear our conversation in just a moment. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live. Uh, we're talking to Kyle Strobel. 
He has co-authored a new book with John Coe called When Prayer Becomes Real, How Honest, Honesty with God Transform Your Soul. We already welcomed our new folk friends uh, from uh, K-Wave with, uh, with their new radio and all the, uh, all the options that come with this, with their new AM station at 1110. And uh, Lance Emma, congratulations to you as well. I would just email and Lance back and forth, and I know he's the station manager, among other things, and uh, he's excited to join him in that enthusiasm. We appreciate all of our partners and affiliates from coast to coast. And, of course, a lot of you watch online. Let me also, or listen online, let me also remind you that you can subscribe to this program as a podcast. Then you, you know, if you're not around Saturday morning or Saturday early afternoon and, and you want to listen whenever you want to, you can just download it and be ready to go there. So I've been asking Kyle about prayer. We've got some calls already coming in. Our number is 877. I want to give you time to, to jump on the call with us. Our number is 877 548 three, six, seven, five. So Kyle, I guess for me, and you know, probably just transparently early on, I was, uh, you know, I was, I came to Christ. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, grew up in a, in a home where, you know, we would maybe say in our father once in a while, cause we were, you know, we had this Irish heritage and background, mm-hmm. go to church on Christmas and Easter. So I came to Christ and I really wanted to be a person of prayer early on, struggled with that, Uh, probably, you know, in college started praying with some people at 5 a.m. in the morning. Uh, And and because we were challenged, we were college students. Someone said, you got to pray at 5 to 6 every morning, and we did. (laughs) And then when we got tired, because we were watching David Letterman at Too Late at Night back then, um, and then then we'd get tired, and then we'd get discouraged, and then we wouldn't pray. And then I remember there was a book, Could You Not Tarry With Me One Hour? And I was like, i got to start praying an hour, and i got to follow the Lord's Prayer. I think Larry Lee wrote that book, and i I got to follow the Lord's Prayer. And so I had a very specific thing to do. I start with praise, our Father who art in heaven, and then I get discouraged by that because I didn't keep it up. So for some reason, praying an hour, if I didn't pray an hour, I wasn't praying right. And I I really put a lot of, uh, I put a lot on myself in my early Christian life that, prayer would look like this because I kept, I was challenged and I wanted to be that challenge. I wanted to, to rise to that challenge. So I guess the question is, is, is how do people even think about beginning to be a person of prayer on a consistent basis? What does that look like? And clearly what I did jumping from, you know, quick prayers to an hour a day at 5 a.m. in the morning wasn't the right path, but I was, you know, I was, I was 17. So give me, you know, give me a break, but, but tell me more what, how we begin that journey. Yeah, well, you know, I, I actually think your journey is is so familiar to me. I mean, I, I I have similar stories, and you know, part of that I think is developmental. I actually think, and that's probably good developmentally. You know, when you look at when you're a, a baby Christian, um, part of what we do with baby Christians is we just kind of throw them into the deep end a little bit, and get them involved in things, right. and and that's great. And then, but then your story is so familiar to so many. I think where we hit a point and we're going, we I, I think we realize that I'm doing this alone. And I think one of the most important biblical notions about prayer, and is also one of the most missed, is we really miss how the gospel shapes prayer. Hmm. And so, so many people end up with a kind of prayer life that actually isn't shaped by the gospel. And so one of the most encouraging passages to me is Romans 8, because in Romans 8, we're told how God looks at you. That when God looks at you, we're told that he knows that you don't know how to pray as you ought, right? So that if you, <laughs> if you want good news that for me, when I pray, that's it. That, you might want to just start by reminding yourself that like, I'm going to pray, but let's remember when God looks at me, he knows I don't know what I'm doing here. 
And the thing he does is astonishing. He actually gives his spirit to you to pray for you from within the depths of your soul. We're told the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And so the spirit is in your soul. The spirit is groaning, right? Now that even that's kind of encouraging to me that the spirit actually sees all that is going on in my heart, sees my pain, my worries, my anxieties, my fears. The spirit is lifting those up to the Lord. And then later, actually, in the same chapter and later in Romans 8, we're told that Christ himself has gone to the right hand of God to intercede for us. And so one of the things this should do for us, I think, it should help us understand that we never start prayer. We never create prayer. We enter prayer. And this is one of the reasons why prayer is not performative, because when you pray, you're entering into the prayers of the Son and the Spirit for you, through you, and from within you, so that you're not having to kind of create a good prayer. You're not having to to start something. You're not having to perform here. You're actually kind of just lifting your heart to the Lord, and you're affirming what they're praying. And one of the ways I've come to look at this um, is that you know, when I was a kid, so I, you know, I grew up, as you know, right, my, my father's Lee Strobel, he, he was, uh, became a Christian, right, when I was kind of a baby. I grew up we, as far as I knew. None of us have actually heard how you're, how did your father become a yeah. Christian? It's almost like no one knows. It's not, there's a you movie. You might have seen my birth but anyway. in a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so crazy. Anyway. <laughs> so, like, I thought I'd grown up in a family that had been Christians for generations, right? So, I, I'd grown up in a Christian home, as far as I knew, and I was taught, like most Christians who grew up in Christian homes, you know, here's how to pray. You pray um, to your father in heaven. And when you conclude prayer, say in the name of Jesus. Well, later in life, when I began wrestling with what had become of my prayer and my lack of prayer, I realized that I had prayed all my prayers in my name, but I just ended them by saying in the name of Jesus. Like that's not just a nice way to conclude a, a, a prayer, like a, like a form letter or something. When we pray in the name of Jesus, that means we, we are not coming in our name. We're not coming in our goodness. We're not coming in our righteousness. We're coming through the blood of the one who gave his life for me and who's even now praying all the things that I need prayer for. And this is why we're continually told in Scripture, I think particularly of, of Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 6, that, that we have a great high priest who always lives to intercede for us. And so once we realize that, that the gospel shapes prayer in such a way that I'm not resting on my goodness, I'm not resting on my performance, but I'm actually able to come and draw near because of Jesus, and that there's not a single thing that is true of me that hasn't already been prayed by the Son and the Spirit. You know, that that just creates a freedom now where I can begin to enter in and say, okay, Lord, I, I know that as Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 8, the Father already knows all that I need. Like I, there, you're not hearing any of this for the first time. You know my needs. You know my worries. You know my sin. You know every single thing I could bring you. And, and that's an invitation now to offer it in truth. It's not, it's not an invitation not to speak. It's an invitation to actually know the freedom of what it would be to give the whole of yourself to Jesus and to share that life that you have now lived with the Father so that you can be transformed in love. Dr. Carl Strobel is our guest. He's uh, written a book with John Coe, When Prayer Becomes Real, How Honesty with God 
transformed your soul. Uh, tra- transformed or transformed your soul might be a typo in my. What's the subtitle, Kyle? Transforms your soul. Transforms your soul. Okay, good. I got a little typo in mind. My apologies. Um, so when, um, but I guess, I get, but I, I, I guess I am, but, 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 Kyle, um, mm-hmm. I, I want to know what that looks like. I, 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 and, and that's sure. probably my nature because you're theologically making an important case, which I love, and you're a theologian, and that makes sense. Uh, yet at the same time, I, I want to get up and I want to lean into the kind of mm-hmm. prayer that you're describing. And, and you, you, you do, and this is part of what you do in the book. Um, and again, the book is where prayer becomes real. Let me remind people they could call in 877-548-3675. We're going to go to our calls in just a minute. Again, 877-548-3675. So what does that look like? And maybe even just what does that look like for you? Because I'm guessing it's going to be different from person to person. Yeah, that's right. Well, there's so many examples here. And let, let me give two quick ones. Like, you know, one of the, so part of my background as a, as an academic, I'm a Jonathan Edwards scholar. If you don't know who that is, that's okay. Um, but he's a very early, um, evangelical and, you know, the evangelical understandings of prayer in the 17th and 18th centuries, one of their favorite terms comes from Colossians 4, 2, which is, um, in prayer, be watchful. And so part of what I want to cultivate in prayer is watchfulness of my heart. And so if I'm praying and, and I'll give you just an example that happens to me, you know, and I, Ed, I have no doubt you'll relate to this. <laughs> I'm supposed to be praying and I realize, oh my goodness, for the last 10 minutes, I've just outlined a new book. <laughs> like yeah, I've, yep. <laughs> yeah, I've just like, and so I'll stop and I'll say, Lord, look at, look at what I've been doing here. Lord, I draw near to you. And this is where my heart goes. Lord, why do I long for this? Like, what is it about this that, that gives me a kind of comfort? And I realize that when I come before the whirlwind, to use the image from Job, I come before the God of the mountain at Sinai, I, I, my heart kind of knows I'm not in control here. Like I can't tether that God to myself. I can't manipulate this God. And so my heart turns me to things that I feel in control of because my heart's uncomfortable coming into the presence of a holy God. Well, now my, my job isn't to kind of profusely apologize and get better as if the Christian life's about me kind of, you know, pulling myself up. Can I just bootstraps. say that that phrase profuse, profusely apologize and get better is so descriptive of my prayer as a younger person, but keep going. Tell us mm, more. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, that, that's, that's exactly what I did. God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll be better. Now it is Lord. Look, Lord, meet me in this. Lord, show me. Like, why do I long for these things? You know, one of the things that Jesus says in Matthew 7, 47, is that the one who is forgiven much will love much. And because the Christian life is a growth in love, we also know it has to be a growth in seeing and knowing how much we need forgiveness. And part of what that looks like is in prayer, the Lord showing us, you actually aren't that interested in me. You're interested in how the Lakers are doing this year, or you're interested in fixing your life more or getting your, you know, the life you want, or, you know, all these other things that are kind of dominating my consciousness. Um, but let me give you another example. And this is, this is a, a more visceral one, perhaps that again, I, I imagine maybe Ed, you might respond to, but you might kind of, you know, relate to, I was once, um, attacked online. Now I know that's unheard of. <laughs> no. <laughs> but this one kind of, this one for some unre- un, you know some unusual reasons. This one cut a little close to home. It was the first time someone not only attacked me but decided to tag me in it and to really try to kind of you know you know grab me. 
and I was furious because this person was lying about me. They were, um, they were, you know, trying to derail a conference I was a part of. They were, again, it's, it's, it's a Christian who's lying, who is undermining me, who's bearing false witness. There's all sorts of things. And I was livid. And the first thing that came into my heart was, I want to take them out. Like, I want to go online and I want to eviscerate them theologically. And right away, I was like, whoa, <laughs> where did that come from? And so I went to pray. And instead of doing what I often did growing up when I was, when I was angry or when I sinned, which was to try to clean myself up, go to pray, and then talk about my prayer in the past tense. God, I'm sorry for back then what I did. I'll, again, I'll try to be better. Instead, I went right into prayer and I said, God, I am so angry. God, I, 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 I want to destroy this person's reputation. God, I, I want to totally undermine them. I want to humiliate them. God, I need you. And I prayed for about 20 minutes. And it was so interesting because by the time that prayer ended, I was praying this. Father, I don't know where this person is at with you. I, I don't know what's leading them to lie. I don't know why I for some odd reason, like they need me to be their enemy, but Lord be with them. Lord, they need you. Lord, I, it's not my job to defend myself. It's not my job to cultivate a reputation. And, and, and what I would have normally done, normally I would have just kind of swallowed my anger and tried harder not to let it out. But what the Psalms have taught me over the years is I actually need to bring that in prayer to God and allow him to transform my anger into forgiveness, kindness, and love. Hmm. Continue our conversation with Kyle Strobel. We're also taking your calls. Our number 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. We're talking about prayer with his new book with John Coe, When Prayer Becomes Real, How Honesty with God Transforms Your Soul. We'll continue our conversation with Kyle in just a moment. Hey, we're back at Sets for Life. We're here with Kyle Strobel talking about his uh, co-authored new book on prayer. By the way, let me thank our amazing team here too. Courtney Young is our engineer, Karen Henner, and our producer, Lynn's working the phones. And we're going to go to the phones. We've got some calls coming in. And again, let me invite you actually to join the conversation as well. 877-548-3675 is our number. We're going to go to Michael in the Dayton, Ohio area on WFCJ, I think it is. Uh, Michael, you're live on the air with your question or comment. Go right ahead. Yes, I recently heard someone say, if you want to be successful in prayer, figure out what God is doing and then pray for that. What, what, uh, Michael, thank you for your call. Hold on the line, too, because we're going to give you a copy of Where Prayer Becomes Real. What do you think, Kyle? Is that a good description of how to engage in the prayer practices? Yeah, I mean... Part of what prayer will always be, right, is, is going to be a recognition of who God is and what God's up to. And so um, attending to what, what, what is God up to, but then I, I would actually push it one step further and say, what is God up to in your life? Like what, what is actually, you know, what God is, what has God led you into? 
um, where are you struggling? What are you joyful? You know, what, what aspect of, of the Christian life has, has either troubled you or is causing rejoicing in you? And, and some of that's asking questions about the nature of the season you're in, right? What, are you in a season of rejoicing? Are you in a season of mourning? Are you in a season of struggling? Or, and, you know, the question I am continually asking is, Lord, what does it mean to be faithful to you here? not trying so hard to change where I'm at, but, but Lord, where you have me, whatever reason you have me, Lord, what, what does faithfulness look like here? And so that will require you to attend to, yeah, what, what is the Lord doing? But then also, yeah, how am I receiving that? How am I embracing that? Am I actually entering into that reality faithfully? Or am I looking for, for something else um, that, that is going on? Excellent. Let's go to Chicago for Janet in Chicago. You're live on the air with your question, your comment. Hi, Kyle and Ed. I just want to thank you. That looks like an ordinary Saturday day. And here I hear your wonderful program. When you said that um, prayer is a place to be honest, it just struck me as a time when years ago my mother had undiagnosed cancer for like three years. She was having bleeding, and, and the doctor was you know, oh, it's this, it's this, and I'm saying, you know, Mom, they're not testing you enough, and when they did do further testing, she did have cancer, and I remember saying to the Lord, I was so angry, I said, you know what, why should I even pray? You're going to do whatever you want anyway, and I thought, how dare I talk to him like that, like I should have gotten a a poison dart in my back or something, and you know what, (laughs) not only was the Lord sweet to me, he was sweet to my mother, and she lived like 20 years later, and then even I want to thank you for your, um, like your visual, um, you know, words that say we enter into prayer. When you said that, I felt like, like we enter, you know, prayer, the Lord is the flow and he is love and everything. And we enter, I, I just saw myself like getting into a boat, like we enter into that flow of the river and see where, you know, he takes us and see what he shows us. So I want to thank you so much for your insightful words and your book. Love that, love that. And if you can hold on to Janet, we're going to uh, give you a copy of the book. Let me just, for when I when I mention that, what happens is you, Kyle will kind of respond to your comment, and then right after, our producer will come on and give you a copy um, of the book, which I think you'll find helpful. Again, it's when prayer becomes real. Um, again, that visual imagery does sort of capture us. I, I, even the frankly, the phrase "enter in." So, I mean, we even hear in Janet like she just wants to be welcomed in for us to move with the Lord in that. But we sometimes seem to make prayer so difficult. Uh, why? Why do people find prayer difficult? And how, in response yeah. to Janet, how might we enter in the way she's talking about? Yeah, well, Janet, thank you. And for that story, I mean, I think one of the things your story so um, describes so well is many of us learn, and there's all sorts of things we could talk about here, but there, many of us learn early on in life, particularly in the Christian life and in Christian homes. And, and we kind of, we don't, no one teaches us this, but we kind of absorb it. We absorb these notions that there's all sorts of things that God can't handle. And sometimes we imagine him as a king and, and to, be, to be properly reverent, we have to, you know, and, and we come up with all these, these ideas that actually limit us speaking the truth. And one of the things that has been so profound for my own spiritual life is when I started praying the Psalms. You know, the Psalms, every time I get someone to pray the Psalms, 
they always say the same thing. They run into a psalm and they're like, I can't pray this. <laughs> I'm true. like, the Bible? <laughs> I mean, when you read the psalms, it's amazing because you realize that God is, is actually teaching us. Like we would teach a child how to talk to us as parents by kind of helping them know the words, helping them kind of mimicking and kind of modeling for them what it means to talk. God has done the same thing in the psalms. And the psalms are at times just complaining about God. I mean, if you read Psalm 44, the psalmist is like, what have I done? Like, I've been faithful. I've done what you've asked of me. You've abandoned me here. And he even goes on to ask if God's fallen asleep on the job. And, you know, for most of my Christian life, I think I would have thought there's no way God wants to hear that. But deeper down in me, there's something that told me God can't hear that. And I think what scripture helps us see is that God actually wants us to bring the truth. He actually wants us to pray what he sees. And so if we're holding anything back from God, what, what's actually happening is God sees it. <laughs> we know he sees it. We know from the spirit groaning, he's already prayed it. But then he watches us not actually name the deep things. I remember I was reading a book on prayer years ago. One of my favorite lines about prayer was that if you try to pray as you imagine a good Christian would, you'll never pray. And I really related to that because the problem is that whatever I have in my imagination of a good Christian praying, it, it wasn't truth. It wasn't the truth of my life and my heart. And, and the author's point was simply, you have to pray the truth of who you are. Are you angry? You have to come in with your anger before a God who actually has commanded you to be angry, but not sin has commanded you to bring this to him has modeled it for you. I think of the two men in Luke 18 who go to the temple to pray. One has a very cleaned up life in spirituality, very impressive. The Pharisee, the other's a mess, such a mess. He won't even lift his eyes up to heaven. Well, that man leaves justified and not the other we're told. And so the, the, the reality of coming into to life with God in the truth of the stuff that, that may embarrass us, that we may be ashamed of, that we may be guilt-ridden about, like, like those are the actual things that the Lord wants to teach us and wants to meet us in and wants to help us understand. I'm with you here. I've met you in these things. I've forgiven you in these places. And it... I think it, what it shows us is that if we try to pray in our goodness, we will simply fail. But if we come to God in truth, if we come in the, the mess of life where he already prays for us and groans with groanings too deep for words, prayer will actually be a place where we, we discover something new and it's, it's life-giving. It's, it's meaningful. Hmm. So good. Let's, let's continue our Chicago theme. Uh, wonderful city, since both of us have some connection there. We'll go to, uh, it's Lindsay, I think. Lindsay in Chicago, listing our flagship station, WMBI. Go ahead, Lindsay. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Hello, Kyle and Ed. Oh, boy. I just love this topic. Uh, my my kind of comment question was, I've heard so many um, methods and and uh, even to acronyms of how to pray, then I just gotten overwhelmed by it all. Mm. And I'm just like, Lord, I just want to be authentic and, spont and spontaneous. And I feel like, no, you got to have, you got to follow this formula, this method. So speak to that, would you please? 
Love that. Love it. Lindsay, if you hold on a second, we will, I actually think you're going to find Kyle and John Coe's new book super helpful on that topic. Uh, again, it's When Prayer Becomes Real, How Honesty with God Transformed Your Soul. Uh, Kyle, I want you to address that in just a second because uh, we're going we're gonna to take a, take a moment, pause here, and continue our conversation and your calls as well. We've got one final segment with Kyle, and you can call in at 877-548-3675. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some questions about how the Lord's Prayer helps us understand how we pray. We're going to talk about a little bit more. I want to ask a couple questions following up about praying the Psalms. There are some tough ones in there that you've already hinted towards. Again, one more segment for your calls, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Kyle Strobel. Kyle, let's just jump in because we've got, you know, we've got near the end of the show, but you kind of respond a little bit to uh, Janet's comment and question. Um, well, let me um, pick up on, um, on, on yeah, the, the question about methods. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I do think in, in the different seasons of life, these things are, are, are meaningful in different sorts of ways. So I found myself in seasons where I just needed a little more structure. I needed something to guide me a little more. And then in other seasons, those became inhibiting. Um, and I would say I, I, I would look for ways to just allow your life to help you draw near to God. So what, what are things that have kind of grabbed your heart? Um, may, maybe that's good. Maybe things you're kind of passionate about. Maybe you're, you're really feeling the weight of the word of the Lord on you in some ways. Maybe it's missions, maybe it's evangelism, maybe it's, it's learning and studying and these sorts of things. And and you just want to lift those up to him. Lord, I, I, I just want to know you better. I want to, I want to worship you more truly. I want to, you know, whatever's in your heart, like what are some ways to just offer the truth? But then the other side, you know, what, what are some things that are maybe grabbing my heart more negatively? Um, wow, Lord, I, I don't even realize, I don't think, and this is true of me. I think, I, I think there's times when I don't even realize how much our current political and cultural circumstances weigh on me. Wow, there's just a kind of undergirding anxiety in my life about the state of your world, or maybe it's some brokenness or sin or family relationship or something in the church. Or, you know, I, I'm always trying to look for ways that I can take what is true of my life and, and bring that to the Lord. And so, in some seasons, again, I might use I might use the Psalms, I might use the Lord's Prayer, I might use, you know, there's, you know, it's funny about those acronyms and things. Almost all of them are really good; they're helpful. But they also can be a crutch at times, too. They can also be things we just give ourselves to for their own sakes rather than really lifting our hearts to the Lord. And so, you know, part of that watchfulness of heart, watchfulness of your life, Lord, what are you doing in my life? Where, where's my heart gone? And how do I just lift that up to you in whatever way I can? So good. And I, I do think it's even in the, in the book, again, uh, rem, remind everyone, the book is called When Prayer Becomes Real. Uh, you, you sort of, you point to the Psalms at points, you talk about the Lord's Prayer, um, mm -hmm. and, and it does sort of respond to relate to her question. And, and maybe a little bit of my own journey is I still do sometimes pray through the Lord's Prayer. I'm just not, you know, driven in the same way that, you know, I read that book and I got to pray an hour and I got to pray 10 minutes on this thing and 10 <laughs> minutes on this thing. And, and go from there. So, you know, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. I mean, help us to see how that relates to understanding how we're to pray. Let me remind people, we've got just a few more minutes left. You want to call in 877-548-3675. Talk us a little bit about the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in the Lord's Prayer because Christians have never really seen that as the only prayer to pray. 
But you could imagine that that would have been the initial response. Well, we asked Jesus and he gave us this. <laughs> I guess this is what we say. Um, and so it, it is a hard question, actually. Well, what is the Lord's Prayer then if it's not just the kind of one prayer we pray? And, and the way John and I end up talking about it in the book is we call it the conditioning prayer. And, and so this is a prayer that we, we internalize because it helps us to see the kind of shape of our praying and how we are tempted in various ways not to actually draw near to the Lord. And so take, you know, an obvious example of, um, you know, forgive my sins or my debts, you know, depending on what we think of these, as I forgive those who have sinned against me or, you know, and, and, and these sorts of things. When we think about the debt issue and we think about the various petitions of the Lord's Prayer, you know, sometimes we'll pray that and I'll realize, wow, Lord, the way I'm praying isn't isn't shaped by that actually like i don't want to have to forgive like they need (laughs) to get their act together you know and i'm realizing wow like forgiveness and particularly how the lord has forgiven me wow lord i'm not sure if that's actually conditioned given shape to my prayers And, and so the lord's prayer is constantly reminding us what it means to draw near to our god you know we pray our father who art in heaven you know it's our father you pray our father because you pray with Jesus, the one who prayed my father. You are now a child of God. So now draw near to him because he is your heavenly father. Right? So the, the, the Lord's Prayer should help us see all sorts of ways that we are called to draw near and offer our lives to the Lord. But then also, on a more negative sense, it's going to show us all sorts of temptations we have. Like maybe I, I imagine for many of us, we don't draw near to our heavenly father. Many of us draw near to our earthly father, which is why he can't hear some things in our lives, which is why we think he doesn't want to hear about brokenness and pain and things, because maybe our earthly father didn't want to hear that. Or or maybe we draw near to a king who it wouldn't be proper to unleash your anger like the psalmist do to God, right? So there's, there's all sorts of ways the Lord's Prayer is actually helping us see what does it mean to be with your God? Who is your God? What does it mean that his kingdom come? You know, how do we give ourselves to these things? And so that's that's what how the Lord's Prayer should be kind of giving shape to everything else we pray. So when you think about praying, and uh, one, one, of, one of our callers just kind of shared through um, some of the, this just went through a tragedy, and, and how do I, mm. uh, you know, how do I pray through this? How, how did it happen? Where, where, where might I be praying or not praying, and how do I pray now? Um, just, can you talk a little bit about how you might respond to that? We're going to go ahead and give her a copy, um, um, of your book, but tell us how a little bit might you respond to prayer in the midst of tragedy. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, one of the most interesting things I think about the Psalms, um, you know, in the Psalms used to be the church's not only prayer book, but song book. So this is, um, it wasn't, it was only 300 years ago before we started asking questions was, is it okay to sing hymns in a church service? <laughs> um, you, it used to be obvious that you would primarily, if not solely sing the Psalms and, so the, the, the church always looked at the Psalms as kind of modeling a life of worship. And what's interesting about the Psalms is if you put them into categories, the largest category are what we call Psalms of lament. And, and lament is naming the truth, naming evil, naming suffering, naming sorrow, and bringing it to a Lord who, who wants wholeness and healing, who is the great physician. And so, um, you know, I've recently gone through a, a time of, of losing a friend and you know, coming through and asking the Lord, Lord, why weren't you there? Like, where were you in this? Like, how can this happen, Lord? What, what are you doing? And, 
you know, it's, it's taking the truth of my heart and offering it to the Lord while entrusting that, Lord, you are good. Lord, I, Lord, I know you know things I don't. But instead of cleaning up my prayers and saying, no, God, it's probably for the best. Or no, God, I, I'm sure it's okay. It's, and then actually harboring in my heart angst against God. It is actually bringing the whole of my heart before the Lord and naming, Lord, no, this was an evil. There's evils in your world. You do not do evil. But Lord, even in the midst of evil, you can bring about good. And so laments are training us on how to be with a good Lord in an evil age. But it requires us to be very watchful of what, what is my heart doing? How am I struggling? And then how can I offer that to the Lord in truth? Let's see if we can squeeze in one more call. William, we're going to go to you in Florida, but it's going to have to be a quick question so we can squeeze in before the end of the show. William, you're live. Go ahead. All right. My question is how would your book allow me to use your book to pray for others? Because most of the time people will call me and ask me to pray for them over a situation. How would your book help me in this manner? Love that. I love that. And let's broaden it to not just to your book, though we want to give William a copy of your book, which, again, the, the title is uh, When Prayer Becomes Real. But how, tell us about praying for others in general. How does this relate to that? We've got about a minute and a half left. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. We actually devoted the, the final kind of chapter to that. And, you know, the, <laughs> I think for many of us, praying for others, kind of intercessory prayer, like that, that almost feels like the easy kind of prayer. But it turns out it's actually the messiest. Because in praying for others, I have to kind of enter before the Lord with another person. I've got to come and hold them in their circumstances before the Lord. And that means my relationship to this person actually ends up coming into prayer. And so, I mean, to use an example, I found myself praying for someone once and I realized, you know, I'm not praying for them as much as telling the Lord that if they only would have listened to me, they wouldn't have gotten in this mess. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like this, you know, some of my, you know, frustration has come in here. Like I actually struggle to pray for them because I think they should live their life differently. I, I just can't bring them to God. And so what's difficult about intercession is you have to navigate your own, your own personal life. You have to navigate your own relationships with them. And you have to navigate what you think God should be like and what he should be up to. And I find that for those closest to us, and particularly when they're hard circumstances, maybe it's a parent, um, a, a child, uh, a spouse, like th there's actually quite a lot of mess in our hearts that enter into our prayer lives. And so part of what we're going to need to do to cultivate this again is to cultivate this watchfulness in our lives where we're able to draw near to God with another person. And, you know, one of the things that Paul tells the, the church at Corinth is that he is able to be present even if he's not in the body he's able to be present in the spirit and part of what intercessory prayer is profoundly is my ability to be present in the spirit of god to another christian to hold them before the lord to draw near in love and to offer them to god as as a profound gift of faithfulness and so i hope that the, the book can help you navigate those things well thank you for your question Good deal. We're going to give you a copy of the book as well. It's When Prayer Becomes Real, How Honesty with God Transforms Your Soul. Thanks so much for Kyle Strobel for joining us today. And really, the resources that he's putting out are super helpful to so many of us. Uh, remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.